Hey, everybody, before we start the show, I want to remind you that before you do anything, you should go to dopamine.life and sign up for our free Myers-Briggs audio tour. Once you sign up for that, you will start getting some emails that have podcast-style explanations of what Myers-Briggs is and sharing how it has been a game-changer for me. So go to dopamine.life and sign up for our free Myers-Briggs audio tour. Hey, everybody, C-Note here, and welcome to Dopamine, the show that is like some psychological MSG. Just makes you hungry for more. Is that what you do when you're hungry? I'm hungry. I guess that's what we do. We kind of do that in our heads. Uh, Today, I want to talk about guilt. Guilt is a really big topic, and it's something that uh, is all-encompassing with so much stuff that I'm thinking about lately. Thinking about cults, religious trauma syndrome, um, thinking about love and belonging, connection. There are just so many things that... Guilt is a part of it. There are so many expressions of feeling guilty about saying what we want and expressing what we want and taking our own freedom for ourselves. So I want to talk about that today on Dopamine. Let's hit the button and let's do the thing. Uh, Let's go. Drums, please. Hello, friend. Welcome back to Dopamine. Hope you're doing okay. I ask that all the time. I hope you genuinely are. Uh, we are we're all good friends here. Uh, welcome back to another episode. Really excited that you're here. Uh, we're approaching sort of the beginning of the end of the year here, and there's a lot to think about. Uh, I've been kind of thinking about a lot of transitions that I've been going through, that Molly has gone through, that so many people in life have gone through in the last few years. And I think in large part, that's because... We have a bit of a democratization of the internet and media and opportunities for more people to tell more stories. And the more stories that we get to hear, the less we feel alone and the more opportunity that grows for people to be able to be themselves or to escape something that they did not feel, you know, maybe they had like a little inkling that something was not right about it. And now you have the opportunity to, to move on and transition. Sometimes for people, that's some sort of a, an emotionally abusive relationship. Sometimes that's a physically abusive relationship. For some people, that is a bigger picture, you know, moving on from a religion, maybe, or uh, moving on from, from parents or some sort of other personal relationship that creates this bigger opportunity for transition. And I think two things emerge from thinking about transition. And I kind of jumped in here, I guess, but (laughs) two things kind of emerge from transition. Uh, People tend to transition because of a great love or a great loss. And they tend to transition when there's something that is sort of forcing them to face a sense of mortality. Either of those kind of force you to face a sense of mortality, right? A great love, this is a person that you never want to like leave or a family member or something or a new child that you're just like, I don't want this thing to not exist or I don't want to not exist to not care for this thing or this person. 
and, uh, you know, great loss, you know, makes you aware that this person was not going to last forever. Maybe you thought that that was the case. And now you're like, oh no, this is, this is a reality that I'm, that's been sprung at me. That's been thrown at me. And we have to face that. All of this leads to thinking about how these transitions create a lot of challenge for us because these transitions involve us having to step into the spotlight for ourselves. We have to step on our own stage and we have to step out of the crowd and we have to find a way to navigate the world in a way that we need to navigate. And there's no coincidence that this tends to happen for a lot of people in their 20s or 30s. It can happen later in life, earlier in life, but this tends to happen around 20s or 30s when we are no longer in these sort of uh, uh, institutions that we've grown up in, whether that's the family or um, whether that's uh, a workplace or school or college or uh, church or whatever, something that we're just kind of like, you know, being funneled through in a sense when we're being finally separated from that, because later in life is usually the, the greatest opportunity to be separated from that, whether that's being faced with mortality through um, experiencing a love, maybe that doesn't align with your values and you have to figure out whether or not that is a, a path you want to go for yourself or not, or that it becomes a, you know, someone, you lose someone and you suddenly feel like everything you've learned doesn't really suit you anymore and you have to go your own path or going your own path means living your best life and that means separating from things, right? So all of that transition is a challenge because largely we feel a massive sense of guilt for making our own choices. And I say we because there are plenty of us that do that. It's not just the FJs in the Myers-Briggs system. There are a lot of people that feel a ton of guilt for the, t- the decisions that we make for ourselves. Especially, again, since a lot of these situations growing up, we don't always feel or have been taught that our decisions are good for us or that we are capable of making good decisions. And uh, even as, you know, especially you think about it as a teenager, you're, you're always wanting to make decisions for yourselves. Or I remember when I was like 17 or 18, I wanted to move out of the house as soon as I could. And I told my parents I wanted to move in with a friend of mine. And my parents were very adamantly against it. They felt like my friend was irresponsible, that they were going to screw me over and that I couldn't handle it or I wasn't ready. And I was like just incredibly mad and frustrated about that. And, um, you know, they, they, they needed to, they didn't trust me yet. And the fact that people that you look up to or you care about don't trust you, then how can you trust yourself, right? It takes a long time to learn how to trust yourself. And there, that's why, like, I don't know, I feel like, I uh, just, just talking to Molly about it the other day that I feel like anyone under 28 is still a kid. <laughs> you know, I mean, we're all just big kids, but, um, I, I think there's just like, I don't know why there's this like, uh, there's this legal cutoff of 18 for when you're considered a child, but psychologically there's just still so much growth that needs to happen. You need to become, you need to go through, I mean, college is meant to be that transition into adulthood. Right. And it's not always traditional. Like it's not the same anymore that it's not like four years at a state school and you become part of the football team or something, or you become a part of a frat and plenty of people still go through that, but it's not the same. And it's not, uh, it's not this, this ideal transition 
people are kind of thrust into all sorts of different situations and frameworks and the ways that they have to uh, navigate the world and, and make mistakes and have experiences. So all of this is like too much preamble for basically talking about, you know, feeling guilty about making our own decisions for ourselves. And that's because we've never been given permission to do that. And there are plenty of people who have. There are plenty of people who have grew up with with seemingly healthy uh, upbringings and their parents have trusted them with their decision making. But there are plenty of situations where freedom is not encouraged by parents and freedom is not encouraged by schools or by uh, religious groups or anything like that. And so when we feel a pull towards freedom and we don't know how to navigate that, we're going to feel guilty about the choices we make because we feel like everything that we do has a ripple effect against other people who want to stay in the same place. So it's like uh, one of the challenges that you face when you go through a divorce. A lot of people fear going through divorce, which I feel like I'm going to do an episode on specifically at some point that there's uh, there's an airplane going by, which like never happens while I'm recording. So I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I'm going to keep going. Um, so when you when you're going through divorce, a lot of people don't get a divorce when they feel like they want to because they feel guilty about how their friends or family are going to react or they feel guilty about how their their spouse's family and friends are going to react or um, how society is going to look at them or something like that. Right. You know, most of the time we know what we want already. We know we want to leave or we, we know we want something different for our lives. And this feeling of guilt tends to hold us back from making that choice because there's a major assumption that our choice is going to have a major effect on people. And while that might be true in the way that they'll react to it, in terms of the big picture, there's really no actual effect that it's going to have on people's lives. The only effect that people feel uh, defensive about is the fact that they're going to have to change. They're going to have to look at you in a different way. Or they're going to have to like change how they talk about uh, you and your former spouse, or they're going to have to, to, to adapt the idea that maybe you need more help than you used to, or that it doesn't look as simple and they have to then talk to their friends about it as well. And it becomes uncomfortable for them. Right. So that's the challenge of guilt is doing what we want to do for ourselves versus doing what we feel is right to save other people's discomfort. And yeah, I think it's easier for me to say like that's nonsense and we need to just do what we need to do because I've always been more of an independent person. But I understand that if you really, really care about the resonance and the energy of other people, that it's a massive challenge to say what you want, to do what you want, especially when you've been programmed in a difficult, uh, maybe like a religious situation that's maybe been really, you know, super tight or, uh, you know, an upbringing that is you're, you're kind of dependent on support from a partner or from uh, family or friends and that saying or doing what you want is going to alienate you from that. And I, I understand that challenge. I think that is, um, that is, a, that is a valid consideration when you're going through some sort of transition and you're feeling guilty about making the decisions you want to make. And essentially I think we all feel guilty as if we're guilty of things that we're not even yet accused of, you know, again, it's like about assumptions and I think assumptions are not healthy for anyone to make, 
you know what they say about assuming. It makes an ass out of you and me. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so what am I trying to get to here? Uh, so I, I did a thread on uh, Twitter recently about assumptions. And I've been thinking about this a lot because we've been watching Catfish, the show, the TV show, a lot lately. Um, we've been doing research on like, we've watched a couple like cult documentaries. Uh, Molly shared with me uh, Jamie Lee Finch's, Finch's book, uh, a, a chapter that was about religious trauma syndrome, which I want to do some some podcast episodes on that stuff. Um, and I've been uh, just like deep diving into spiral dynamics. I've been doing a lot of psychological research about hurt and conflict and love and connection and all of these things. Like, I think these are all, um, they're these, it's like circling the drain of like the same thing for me. So it's like connective nodes that I'm trying to find the pieces for. And I think guilt is a really big topic. I think guilt is guilt is something that gets sort of a lot of commiseration. I think it's, it's like, yeah, I feel guilty for that stuff too. Or, you know, there's not really any solutions posed other than, you know, you go to therapy and talk about it and work through it and, and all of those nuances. But I think there are opportunities for someone who understands, um, some form of psychology to provide a little bit of tough love around guilt because guilt involves you making the decision that you want to make for yourself. You have to recognize what the decision is, recognize what you think the fallout's going to be and realize that what you are imagining is not yet reality, right? Reality might be better or worse, not to make your anxiety about that worse, but like if you are in control of your choices and trusting yourself and making the decisions you want to make, then it's going to be much easier for you to have resolve around it. And it's going to be much easier for you to talk about it. And what's important is to start learning in the process of, of transitioning from something that you're developing an expression of what you're dealing with, not an explanation because you're, the goal is not to explain your choices to someone. I think that's a challenge we all face is that we feel like, oh, how am I going to explain this to my mom? How am I going to explain this transition to someone? And it's not about explaining. Explaining means that you're trying to get some sort of approval and you're not trying to get approval for your choices. You're no longer in a place where you need approval, right? You're an adult. You're an adult that is trying to make choices for yourself and your life. And part of that is trusting in yourself and trusting in your ability as a person to be able to eventually, I really got to get a pop filter, um, <laughs> as a person to be able to trust your choices. Yeah. I think that's what I was trying to get to. Um, <laughs> I, I messed myself up by, by thinking about the pop filter stuff, ADHD. Um, <laughs> so it, it's, it's about trusting yourself at the end of the day and trusting yourself because you're going to have to live with yourself 100% of your life. So I think what I'm, I'm really trying to say is getting comfortable with your choices and feeling confident in who you are and realizing that you're expressing a decision that you've made, not explaining the decision you're about to make, is about getting comfortable with, with learning how to be okay in any situation with any people in your life, because you need to trust yourself, right? It's about 
if, if every single, now this is going to be like a morbid example. So I apologize, but I don't, (laughs) um, this, if every single person in your life passed away, you would find a way to still live. And it's, it's maybe that's a bit of a stoic practice to think about that, that if something as tragic like that were to happen, would you be capable of still finding a way to live, to exist? I don't mean psychologically. I mean, I mean, psychologically is one of the elements, but it's, which is going to be incredibly hard to deal with something like that. But also just this, the self-resilience to go do something completely different than what you're used to. And I think resolving yourself of guilt is part of practicing that practicing the notion that guilt is partially about dependence. And I know that might be like a little uncomfortable to hear, but guilt means that you're kind of dependent on the safety of someone's emotional state your family, your friends, or that they're dependent on you and you being the same way all the time, which is generally just unrealistic. Things are not going to stay the same all the time, but what they're battling against typically is things changing suddenly because sudden changes are harder for a lot of people to cope with. Sudden changes involve just a, it's generally just uncomfortable. And when you say it's like uncomfortable, it kind of sounds petty, right? And <laughs> like, it makes them, makes them uncomfortable. It makes me uncomfortable for you to make your entire life change. Like, that's just, it kind of sounds petty. And I, I think that's kind of interesting to think about, right? <laughs> and it's not, I'm not here to say that your, your family or your friends are petty people, but everyone's out to protect themselves, and sometimes protecting themselves mean protecting themselves psychologically and creating a sense of comfort and creating a sense of comfort is like our brain just doing its job. The idea is like, we're supposed to feel safety and security. And that means everything's got to be pretty chill. And if anything crazy happens, it's like a leopard popping out of the trees and you're like, ah, damn it. And you've got to, you got to move now. Like I got to drop my drink and I got to run. And, uh, which you won't last because leopards run really fast. But (laughs) the idea is that, you know, I've just been sitting here and I'm comfortable and don't disturb me. And frankly, making big changes in your life is a test of your resilience and other people's resilience. And I think we need more opportunities for us to do that and to not blame other people for their choices and to be, uh, confident in feeling like change is okay because we need it and it's for ourselves and often it's to stay alive the nfl playoffs have arrived and we have you covered each day on outkicks hot mic with hudden withrow some of the best football guests break down the biggest matchups from armando salguero and donovan McNabb to ryan leaf and bobby carpenter plus the top headlines and reaction to each playoff weekend. So Chad, which quarterback extends to that next level? The Brock Purdy, Dak Prescott, Tua is on this list. Got to be Lamar Jackson, right? Yeah, it's I think, his time right I now. think so. Yeah, it's, it's his time to shine. He's done it in the regular season. He's won MVP. He's going to win it again. It is time for him to win in the playoffs. Playoffs are also a time to shine for Patrick Mahomes. Can he and the Chiefs offense figure it out in order to repeat 
this playoff season. There's plenty of craziness on a week-to-week basis, so pull up the bar with us each weekday wherever you listen to your podcasts. NFL and more covering your favorite teams. Outkicks Hot Mike with Hutton and Winthrop. Making everyone happy on vacation isn't easy, but you know what is? Going to Aruba. All you have to do is walk out your door to find pristine pools, relaxing white sand beaches, and an island teeming with outdoor activities that'll put a smile on any face. You won't just feel great, you'll all feel great, filled with a calmer, more peaceful vibe that radiates Aruba's warmth. And the best part is, it never fades. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your family trip at aruba.com. Okay, welcome back to the show. I, um, I'm probably going to change some of this music soon. I'm feeling, feeling a little stale. <laughs> um, I think, and one of these days I'll probably start writing a little bit more of a script for some of these shows. I think I'm just kind of like flying by the seat of my pants and I don't know. I'm hoping that it's okay. I hope it's like some things are clicking and resonating. Um, Please give me feedback. I need feedback. Please give me feedback at Let's Go C Note on all the social channels. Uh, I do get some nice messages from people saying that that they like the show. So thank you for that. Um, I want to share a little bit of my sort of tweet storm here around guilt because I think this is the impetus. And I kind of jumped around and juggled around um, the first half of this show trying to explain sort of the, the basis of what I'm thinking about in regards to guilt. And... Guilt is just a a challenge that it's like, it's one of those everyday neuroses that I think we gloss over quite a bit and I no longer want to. I don't think it's healthy for people to continue to express that they feel guilty for a simple decision that they made. I'm not even talking about big transition stuff, but someone could say like, oh, I made this little choice and uh, I feel so guilty about that. Or like I decided to go out for the evening with my husband and I left the kids at home and I feel really guilty and I can't enjoy myself, you know, stuff like that. And, um, you know, there's, there's a lot to explore there when someone feels guilty about everyday things, because it's usually, uh, in relation to perception and there are other voices in our head typically telling us that we should or should not be doing something. There's a lot of shoulds in the world. There's a lot of cultural shoulds. There's a lot of personal shoulds. And managing those is just, it's a really difficult task. And especially if we're not aware of it, especially if it's like culturally norm, normal to express guilt, that there's no, there's not a lot of people saying like, oh, they're just saying, well, oh, don't feel guilty about that. It's like, what do you, what do you mean? What is, where does that come from? <laughs> you know, instead of like, like, so Guilty to who is usually the question I like to ask. Like, who's the judge and jury here? Like, what do you mean? Guilty in relation to what? Uh, And I like to try to get someone to explain it a little bit more because then they sort of like deduce themselves out of it a little bit. They're like, oh, you know what? Maybe that's like, maybe it is silly to feel guilty. (laughs) But, you know, that's that's more of a, a cognitive behavioral therapy kind of trick, I suppose. Uh, so yeah, I'm going to share a little bit, share a little bit of, um, this thread here to kind of share with you. So 
Uh, I'll just start reading verbatim and I'll kind of comment when I can. So it seems like too many people are fixated on feeling guilty for things they're not being accused of. Feeling guilty is often another form of making assumptions about how someone has, someone may has or does feel about the decisions we've made. Uh, I, I would say to stop making assumptions, learn to ask more questions that anxiety and guilt is a state of limbo and getting honest answers is the only way to feel secure in your choices. And the pursuit of honest answers, this is me talking now, but the pursuit of honest answers is really, really important. Asking questions and not living in the state of limbo, right? There's a thing about stress kind of feels good, or at least it's a feeling we get used to. And that's kind of like when people are talking about like, I'm anxious all the time, or I'm guilty all the time, or I feel this sense of um, you know, stress all the time. There is not always a desire to get out of it because like it just becomes a comfortable feeling and you just get kind of used to it or that there's there are social upsides sometimes because other people relate to it and you get attention that way and that's not to reductivize the uh, severity of actual clinical anxiety uh, but you know sometimes as humans we like to like live in a stressful state it's like being on your hind legs all the time being ready to run Um, but in our modern world there's not a lot to run from So another question I pose or a thought that I pose is that if you're feeling guilty, maybe somehow you are. And this is like a tougher thing to think about, I think, you know, like if you're guilty, what are you guilty of? You know, actually make note of this. Like, so maybe we feel guilty about, again, like going out and leaving our kids at home, but maybe that guilt is misplaced. Maybe you're feeling guilty continuously to try to actually find what you're feeling genuinely guilty of, not feeling guilty, but what you are actually guilty of. And that's a harder deep dive to make. (laughs) Uh, But if you're guilty, you know, trying to figure out what are you guilty of? Who is the judge? Who is the jury? Is it of any consequence? Does it matter? Like, what are you actually afraid of? And is what you're afraid of real? And is that how you feel about yourself or is it someone else's voice in your head? Do you trust your own decision-making? And if you don't trust your own decision-making, then why not? Because I can't see someone who trusts their choices as someone who would feel guilty about them. If you have conviction for your choices, whether that's in a good way or a bad way, depending on how you define that sense of morality, like no one feels guilty about that. You can go to the other extreme and there's like a serial killer who doesn't feel guilty about what they do. They're it's because they're confident in their decision-making. Uh, it's not always the best example, but like they're confident and you know, they, they trust themselves even if it's not for the, the best intentions of society. Um, I understand that feeling guilty can be, and often is a conditioned or trauma response. And if so, you know, talk to your therapist about it and take the steps to regain control of your life and to trust yourself. And part of that is control. There's this freedom that there's this, uh, this concept of freedom by Eric Fromm, where uh, I'll probably end up doing an episode about that too, where he talks about uh, that a lot of people tend to avoid a sense of freedom, that it's easier to sort of culturally blend in and to not take responsibility for your life or not take control of your life and to let things happen to you. Because when things just happen to you, then you can blame other people and you don't have to do anything, right? It's all about comfort. And, uh, you know, that I feel that if you're feeling continuous guilt, then that's something you need to talk about. If your desire is to actually take some sense of control of yourself, if the goal is to not feel guilty, 
instead of just getting used to saying guilty that you're guilty, then you have to take, take the steps to, to improve. Like that's just, that, that comes with any kind of challenge. Uh, so social, social pressure can be a parasite without self love. So I want you to think about that with guilt as well. Is it coming from you? Is it coming from other people? Most of the time guilt is coming from other people or how you feel your decisions are going to affect other people or how you feel your decisions are going to affect your sense of comfort. And, uh, you know, what you feel is what you feel, what you decide is what you decide. And those are choices you have to live with. You know, we have to make and go forth with our decisions. And it's just the only, the only way is through and through it through means to rest into the idea that this is what it is to accept the reality of what it is. We were watching an episode of catfish, which we've been watching a lot lately where this kid was talking to someone and he had this image of a person in his mind. And it turns out the girl was not who he thought she was. And, um, the, apparently the girl was trying to tell him a couple of times that this was a fake account. And he just went through this psychosis of not believing her. And multiple times she expressed that she was just faking it and trying to get his attention and that he just didn't believe it and kept pretending as if the, the person was still who uh, he thought it was, thought they were. And he just kept going uh, down this rabbit hole and feeling like this is what he wanted and denying himself the reality of the situation so that when they finally showed up and they found out about it, they were like, dude, what the hell? Why don't you just say what it was? And, you know, there's this desire that we have that a lot of people can have to stay at a sense of comfort or idealism and not accept reality for what it is. And that is a challenge to go through, to look at reality and say, this is what this is. This is what I have to work with. And if we don't accept that reality, then we're just going to end up staying in limbo and that's going to perpetuate anxiety and all sorts of mental challenges. Uh, so I accepting reality for what it is, is, is pretty important. I would say, um, the, the, the feeling of guilt is, is rampant and, and just not being addressed. And frankly, it's annoying how much it's glossed over. Um, you know, it's important to pull yourself out of autopilot by charting what you say or having a friend hold you accountable for the use of the word guilty. So I did this when I was younger. I used to say the word, um, I used to say sorry all the time when I was a kid. And I've talked about this on episodes before. Um, I used to say sorry for everything. If I would make a joke and it was a little bit off kilter, I would just say sorry, 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 sorry. And it was just this like making myself small. And I remember my ex-girlfriend at the time was like, uh, like, what are you doing? Why do you keep apologizing? Stop it. <laughs> you know, and, and having someone hold you accountable to pull you out of all the autopilot, because you just get used to saying it, like you just get used to that. It becomes a response, right? And trauma responses come from repeated exposure to the need to do something. And if we are allowing ourselves to continue to do it, we're just going to continue to do it. So whether that's making that external by writing it down or making a, a mark or doing something every time you say it or having a friend hold you accountable every time you use the word unnecessarily, that can start to help you break out of the habit of saying you're guilty and then identifying how you actually feel. Because uh, there was a episode I did uh, about two episodes ago called Intellectualizing Emotions. And I think sometimes expressing guilt is an intellectualizing of an emotion. It's, it's a way of expressing 
that you're expressing something that you feel, but maybe there's actually the feeling is shame. Maybe the feeling is uh, discomfort. You know, maybe there's there's something going on there that isn't exactly guilt, but guilt is just one of those societal words that we use, right? So searching and trying to find other words than guilt to express what it is that you're feeling may help you figure out exactly what it is that you're experiencing. And, you know, it's important to realize that there's no shame in being self-focused, that you're the, the you know, you're the only person you'll spend 100% of your life with. Self-focused is very different from self-absorbed. And most of the time when people uh, are talking about us being selfish or they label us as selfish, they're actually talking about thinking you're self-absorbed. And we conflate the two and assume that making a choice for ourselves is a self-absorbed choice because other people assume that our self-focused choice is a self-absorbed choice. So I don't like the word selfish because it's kind of vague. And so when someone refers to you as selfish, you know, ask them, do you think I'm being self-focused or do you think I'm being self-absorbed? And don't accept both as an answer. (laughs) Um, Or, you know, you're expressing, or if you have to express yourself, you're like, I'm putting the focus on myself right now because this is going to be the best for myself. Or this is what I need to keep living. Or this is what I need to, you know, sometimes that is the best choice for your kids to separate in a a marriage or a situation like that, uh, where you have to focus on yourself for a little while. It's like putting the gas mask on yourself first so you can put it on other people. Uh, that That is, you know, that's been run to the ground, that example, but it's still really important, you know. And, and often the word selfish is a control mechanism when someone doesn't see your behavior as something that suits their needs in a neat and clean fashion. They, they need to do hard work. And when they need to do hard work for themselves, whether that's like for their own personal traumas or their personal challenges, or as a result of the transition or change, you being selfish ruins their shortcut to the faux feeling they want to achieve or the general feeling that they want to achieve. Uh, you know, so far you've created this sort of shortcut for them by staying still or staying in place. And for you moving, that means they have to find either a replacement of that or they have to find some sort of feeling within themselves to replace the place that you had where that version of you held. And that's, that's a challenge that, that, that hurts, that hurts psychologically, you know? And so that's, that's part of feeling guilty. I know that people understand that that's going to do that for someone. But it's also understanding that allowing that opportunity for someone is an opportunity for your partner, your friend, your parents, your whoever to actually grow from that, to have the opportunity to become a better person as a result of your transition as well. So you're not actually hurting someone by making a transition. You're often helping someone to have to think about things that they're normally not thinking about. You know, Molly and I went through some challenges recently in relation to some, some growth points that she was working through. And it brushed up against some aspects of me in regards to relationships and my perspective on relationships that challenged the way that I thought about things. And it's not something I ever thought that I had to challenge. And my instinct was just like, can we just make this go away? Like, what are you talking about? Like, why does this have to be a thing? Um, you know, what, what's going on here, etc. And I, you know, my instinct was just make it go away, make it stop. I don't want to deal with this. Like, this is not my problem, that sort of feeling. And instead, I had to use it as an opportunity for growth. Because, you know, my partner's evolving, and I have to evolve with her. 
And there are opportunities when I have to evolve and she has to evolve with me. Like this is just how life works. And if you want to remain in a healthy, happy relationship, uh, you have to do that. And, you know, basically in a situation like that, you know, your family member or your friend or your partner needs to grow with you. And that's what hurts is like, it's an unexpected opportunity to grow. And sometimes it just feels like an interruption. And sometimes it feels like you're not ready for it. And I understand that. And I understand the guilt around feeling like you're forcing someone to do that. However, it's all in service of making everyone's life better. And that's the thing that we need to remember at the end of the day, that you're providing an opportunity for growth because you are growing. So, um, you know, and, and sometimes, sometimes growth and guilt, or I should say guilt can also be a self-serving, uh, thing to protect an image, you know, like I feel so guilty that I hurt you. And what they're really saying is I couldn't get away with it. Or I feel so guilty for being honest. And, uh, you know, because, you know, holding back and, and keeping a secret, that always ends well. Um, <laughs> or I feel guilty for making that choice. And, you know, I, I, I don't know why you didn't just burst into flames just now. You know, like <laughs> sometimes it's it feels a little silly when you get used to saying these things or hearing these things. You're like, OK, you know, this is like we got to think about this just a little bit more than we are and um, consider how sometimes expressing guilt means that I don't want someone to feel bad about who I am, or I don't want someone to think differently about me, or I need to preserve my mental image of them or them, or they preserve their mental image of me rather, you know, and that's something to work through also and seemingly let go. Um, guilt can come from fear of facing conflict, reality, or perceived consequence. And likely because we've already mapped out what we think that conflict will look like, it'll, it'll just be uncomfortable. So, you know, if we already know that we feel like it's going to look like that, then we're going to avoid it because we're just like, well, I've already kind of done it in my head. I don't really need to actually do that. <laughs> and then, you know, uh, uh, generally, you know, fear always gets in the way, right? Fear is a challenge. Fear is something that tends to be, it, it affects our psychology. Absolutely. And, you know, fear a decision based solely on fear will always be a self-absorbed choice, not a self-focused choice. And a self-focused choice is made in the face of fear. So I'm going to say that one more time because a decision may be blah, blah, blah. A decision based solely on fear will always be a self-absorbed choice because fear will activate the parts of our brain that needs to protect itself. So we're making a choice based on fear, which usually means staying with someone you don't want to stay with, with means, means like not rocking the boat and often having just a continuous sense of fear of what's going to happen based on the decision that you make. That's more self-absorbed than actually doing what you want to do. I'm going to say that one more time. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> forgot how I said it. Um, go back and, and hit play and watch it and listen to it again. Um, <laughs> uh, a self absorbed choice is a choice based on fear and making a choice based on fear, staying with someone or not wanting to rock the boat is a selfish choice in terms of self absorbed choices. Yeah. 
<laughs> so you're making that choice. It's always a self-absorbed choice to not do what you want to do instead of doing what you want to do, right? It's an important reframe. As much as you think you're protecting other people, you're most likely saving face or acting out of fear and protecting yourself and how that's going to affect you in the long run. Because even if it does, it is about, quote unquote, thinking about other people. It's about how other people are going to bounce back off and onto you and how you're going to have to deal with that. It's not like you're going to be hitting them with something and then completely running away and never dealing with it again. What your fear is of how it's going to back, bounce back at you. And I think that's important. So the self-absorbed choice is not doing anything and not saying what you want. The self-focused choice is made in the face of fear, meaning you're afraid of what's going to happen, but you do it anyway. Because it's impossible to serve fear in another person's needs at the same time. And facing fear levels you up to coach or challenge others when they need you. And that's why expression is important. Expression is important versus explanation. Because when someone comes back to you with the bounce back of like the energy you put towards them saying, hey, this is what's going to happen. And then they give you all of their, their vitriol or their nonsense or support, maybe. Uh, it's an opportunity for you to coach them through their feelings as well of what they're going through a little bit by expressing what it is that you're experiencing. Because if you have a sense of elegance about how you're handling it, then you're really just guiding by example and saying like, Hey, this is good for me. This is what I want. And, you know, eventually you'll see that maybe you won't see that now because it hurts. And I understand that, you know, having some empathy and compassion, but your job is not to explain yourself and to say that, you know, you've thought of everything and or you've made the right, the right decision or it's a phase or whatever things that people say that they always say it's it, you know if you have resolve for the choice that you're going to make then it's an expression not an explanation and lastly you know all that said i understand that none of this is easy it's complicated and i make it sound like it's like a just do this kind of thing and it's not it's not an easy thing to think about i just want to bring that idea to the forefront that's all I'm not here to mother you. I'm not your mom. I'm not going to tell you what to do. I'm not going to keep track of whether or not you feel guilty. Uh, you know, but I'm just generally not hearing a lot of tough love or tough questions around this topic. And I just want to challenge you to get out of autopilot. That's all. I think the rest is on you. So at the end of the day, understanding that holding back what you want is far more selfish in a self-absorbed way than being self-focused and making the decisions that you want to make for yourself. At the end of the day, that's what it comes down to. There's a lot along the way. You know, we all have different starting points and different endpoints. And you've got to think about, you know, how to get to that point for you. You know, what is keeping you from feeling like you can make the choices that you want to make for yourself? Why don't you trust yourself? You know, and, and it's about you. It's not about just pointing out, well, this institution made me do this or this this thing led me to this or my upbringing or whatever. And it's, it's good to identify those things. But at the end of the day, it's on you. You're going to have to eventually be the person that becomes comfortable making choices for yourself. And, uh, that's the hard part. Taking personal responsibility and having our own freedoms is, is really, really hard because if something goes right, it's on us, which is great. If something goes wrong, it's on us. And that also kind of sucks. So, it's about dealing with that. So that's it. 
that's everything I got to cover. It's kind of a longer episode, but um, I think this is an important topic. Uh, I certainly would love your thoughts on this. Honestly, I know that this is likely to trigger some thoughts or to get complicated or feel uncomfortable. And I both apologize and don't apologize because that's not my job is my job is not to make you feel comfortable. I'm sorry. Uh, you should, if this is your first episode, I apologize, but this is not what the podcast is. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm here to challenge you. And that's what I do as a coach. So I coach people who are dealing with these transition challenges and I'm a bit more of a tough love coach. I'm not really the cheerleading type. Like I will, I will certainly support you and provide guidance and all of that stuff. But I'm more of the type that's going to listen to you, hear what's going on. And then I'm probably going to call you out on something and, but support you at the same time, you know, cause there's, there are things that we do that we don't catch. Uh, you know, we have a lot going on in our unconscious mind that, uh, it's really only possible for someone who is trained and looking for it can, can acknowledge and see. So I use a lot of Myers-Briggs stuff to help with coaching some of the Enneagram. Um, I don't always have to like teach you how to look at that stuff or anything like that, but I reference it. It's part of my tool set. I've just had a lot of, um, a, a lot of guidance around psychology. I've done a lot of my own growth, um, as you've probably heard on this podcast as well. So all of this leads to me, you know, doing coaching and helping people and supporting people through managing everyday mental health neuroses and, um, you know, trying to just get through the next day and try to become better people in a far more permanent way, not just pills or temporary setbacks, but finding ways to manage everyday life in a much, much better way. So if you're interested in any of that, you can send me a DM at uh, let's go see notes on either Instagram or Twitter. With all of that said, we have our uh, free Myers-Briggs audio tour. If like you're on your own journey to try to figure things out for yourself, you can certainly go do that um, at dopamine.life. Sign up for that. And it's like a series of emails that explains like the dichotomies, thinking and feeling and all of that stuff in like podcast style segments. So um, go ahead and feel free to do that for yourself. That's that's really totally fine. And then whenever you're ready to do coaching with me which, uh, I use during doing like Voxer. It's like for weeks at a time. It's not like a single session kind of thing. This is like continuous coaching for a few weeks at a time. Um, you know, let me know, hit me up. That'd be really great. I'd be excited to talk to you and work with you. So, um, with that being said, uh, my sort of Jerry Springer's final thoughts here <laughs> as I wrap up is that, you know, guilt is an important aspect of our lives that we need to work through. Um, because guilt leads to not feeling comfortable with ourselves and feeling comfortable with our decisions. And I think every single human being needs to be confident with our decisions because the, the signs of a healthy person is having input processing and output. And the guilt part does not allow for proper processing and it doesn't allow for proper output and proper change in our lives. So making change is just part of the human experience and growing and asking other people to grow with us is part of the human experience. And it's also a test of our social strength and the, the strengths of our social circles. Uh, and sometimes we have to test that. That's just what happens. That's just part of it. So I know it's hard. I know it's a challenge, but I believe in you and I honestly think that you can do it. So if you want to send me a voice message with any questions that you have, I would love to continue to follow up on this question on, on this sort of topic and, uh, and, and do more on this. So, uh, let me know. There'll probably be more things coming 
in regards to this and religious trauma syndrome and cults and love. And there's just a lot of stuff I'm working through. I'm really happy with all the topics that we've been talking about lately. So um, that's it. Let's go see note. Hit me up. Take care of yourselves and each other. And I'll catch you next time on dopamine. See ya. Hey, you beautiful human. Thanks for listening to dopamine and providing your support for this show. I really, really appreciate it. If you really love this show, leave a review on iTunes and Stitcher to show some love for the podcast. You can also check out cnote.media to check out my work and my courses. But um, with that, we'll catch you next time. See you guys later. <laughs>